You are now listening to the Inner Circle Podcast Network. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party naked. Shit happens when you party naked. Get them titties out. Get them kitties out. Get them cooters out. Get them pooters out. Shit happens when you party. Naked. What's good, motherfuckers? You listen to Shit Happens When You Party Naked. Howdy. Howdy. I'm your host, Jason. I'm joined by my wife. Howdy, wife. Hi. Christina. What's good? Good evening. Uh, We had the baby. This is our first episode back after having a kid. And uh, so, yeah, the kid's in the other room sleeping. We're recording in our home studio. We have like two minutes. Everything is going excellent. We'll, We'll make this work somehow on today's episode. We are joined by the one and only Judy Jean Kwan. Judy Jean Kwan is a stand-up comedian, an actress, all the way out in L.A., in Hollywood, hanging out where it's sunny and beautiful, not where it's rainy and fall-like here in New Hampshire. She is the creator of Milf Friend. We're going to find out all about her show Milf Friend that she's shopping around. Maybe you'll see it on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime one day soon. Who knows? She's authored a book, children's book, that could be very relevant to our interests mm-hmm. in the near future. She also has a blog uh, where she posts funny shit, recipes, musings, hilarious stuff. We're going to find out all about her uh, projects and all the stuff that Miss Judy Jean Kwan's got going on, which is good because I, I enjoyed having her on our July episode of Comedy is Dead, and I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to talk to her in a few minutes and find out more about who is Judy Jean Kwan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But first, we got a few announcements. Podcoin is dead. Fuck off, Podcoin. Sorry. So uh, we'll be pouring 40s out on the grave of Podcoin soon. Please subscribe via another podcast app. Apple, I- iTunes, Google, Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all of these words seem to be making sense that are coming out of my mouth, I think. So uh, subscribe to us elsewhere. And um, Podcoin Davey, I'm going to miss your Podcoin gravy. Shoot it all over me. I loved being in that bonus section, but oh well. C'est la vie, as Cameron would say. Bye-bye. Trying to contribute here a little bit. I appreciate it. You put those headphones on. Yeah, talking to the microphone. It's fun. Isn't fun standing up to do this? It actually is. Yeah, it's like we're getting our exercise in. Mm-hmm. We're ready to go get at the kid if she wakes up. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to hear me pant during this, but I'm jogging in place, everybody. Um, we we also have another announcement on October the 8th. Woohoo! Woohoo! Shit Happens When You Party Naked is going to have its very first live show at Curly's Comedy Club in Rochester, New Hampshire. If you're in the area, I want you to please, please, please come check out our show. Tickets are available Online, curliescomedy.com. You can go to upcoming shows. It's right there, just like 
anything else you buy online, please go grab some tickets in advance. You'll save a few bucks. If you show up, I promise you I'll load you up with stickers. I'm going to give away some T-shirts. I'll buy you a beer. I don't give a fuck. I hope you like cheap domestic shit, but I'll buy you a beer. Um, Curly's Comedy Club. I'm kind of glad it's not like Krispy Kreme where they spell it with the K's. Because then it would be KKK, Curly's Comedy Club, and that would not be that appropriate. That would not be appropriate. I'm not sure that we would still have our live show there if their initials were KKK. There's at least a 70% chance that I would reconsider having our live show <laughs> at a place whose initials were KKK. Depends on how many other places were lined up. Yeah, because we got them lined up. But we're going to have a live show. I'm super excited. Uh, the boys from We Need to Talk, Meter, and Pepin are going to be joining me live on stage. And um, for those of you not in the New Hampshire area, of course, we will upload that as a normal episode down the line. But um, anybody who's nearby, please come on out. I'll throw a beer your way. I'll, uh, I'll buy you a cheap shot of well whiskey. Unless like a thousand people come out, then I'm sorry. Not free alcohol. I'm I'm going to be doing more than buying beer if a thousand people come out. Somebody's going to be clapping my cheeks. If a thousand people show up, I'm going to have to suck somebody's dick. Which I would prefer that because that'd be free. Because that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. It's better for the budget. Yeah. Just the Valtrax they'll have to give me after a thousand dicks. Jeez. On that thousand dick note, <laughs> let's go ahead and tell you guys about official.com. Official.com is a great website to go to if you want to buy some shirts, you want to buy some hats, you want to buy some bracelets. They've got some really dope shit. I'm not just saying that. Uh, it's true. Their clothing is amazing. It's incredible. Official.com. That's O-H-F-I-S-H-L.com. Use the code acronym SHWIPEN when you check out. S-H-W-Y-P-N. I know I'm throwing a lot of letters at you right now. Schwipen, S-H-W-Y-P-N. It's the acronym for Shit Happens When You Party Naked. If you use that magic code acronym at checkout, you'll save 25% on all the shit you buy. And I got to recommend, buy some shit from official.com. We love their shirts. We love their bracelets. They got good shit, man. Um, if you like the flat brim stuff, they got the flat brim, snapbacks, super hood. You're going to look totally urban. No one will fuck with you if you wear one of those hats sideways and it's like flat brim and it's snapback. Everyone's just going to assume you're in a Latino gang. So uh, you're welcome mm-hmm. for that little tip. Only oh, get that kind of advice here. That kind of content only available on the Inner Circle Podcast Network on Shit Happens When You Party Naked. Shout out to my Inner Circle Podcast Network brothers and sisters. Favorite part of the show. Go down the laundry list. It's her favorite part. I was going to say that for the oh, wait, end. wait. Is the baby crying? <laughs> I hear the baby I crying. I got to go. go. I'll be right back, guys. So uh, Judy Jean is on the line. Let's Sounds talk to good. her. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's 16 days old, and uh, my wife's neck is, like, killing her from, like, cradling the baby and looking down at the baby and stuff. And Oh, wow. Been, it's just been great. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you do natural? I uh, no, actually they um they indu- they tried to induce me but I never progressed so then I ended up having a C-section. Yeah, you can never predict those things, you know. It's it's mm-hmm. you know, you just have to leave it up to whatever's out there and uh I mean I tried to I had all these plans for my labor and it didn't work out either. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sounds like that's the case oftentimes. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, some, some women, they have it so easy and I'm just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> we did not have it easy. We had three days to get one centimeter and the doc was like, we could keep trying. And I said, look, we got one centimeter in three days. We need nine more centimeters. If we're doing a centimeter in three days, that's 27 more days. It's like a month before we're going to see this baby. So yeah. yeah. So we I went mean, the C-section route. Yeah. It's probably for the best. And how big was the baby? Uh, seven pounds, then like what? 13, 13 ounces. ounces. Yeah. Seven pounds, 13 ounces. A girl, boy? A girl. girl. Yeah, a little girl. Uh, we named her Evelyn. Evelyn. Oh, that's yeah. so cute. I thought, you know, with a name like Evelyn, there's very slim chance that she'll become a stripper with that name. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's just not a stripper name. <laughs> I think usually uh, you, you change your name to uh, a stripper name <laughs> when you Cross that's that's true. That's, yeah, that's always true. an option, but I at least wanted her to set her up for like a night. Like, here's a nice, classy name. You could do whatever you want with a name like Evelyn, except like that's not a really good stripper or porn name. So exactly, Evelyn's actually a really um, uh, unusual name right now because that's you know I've noticed that everybody's naming their kids something funny nowadays. They're all like Chloe's and mm-hmm. you know, like my my kid's name is you know not not also common his name is tristam so okay i was wondering if you if you were to like uh pass down a korean name to your to your child or not um yeah i d- actually did i gave him his middle name um okay. is korean yeah that's very cool yeah, but not the first name yeah kind of keeps him like locked into his heritage and stuff like that yeah yeah i, I try to tell him that he's korean um but mm-hmm. then sometimes you know because he's korean american i uh, sometimes when he doesn't do what I think a Korean <laughs> like eating spicy food, if he yeah. can't handle it, I go, Oh no, you're not Korean. <laughs> yeah. So that's like the American side of him. You're like, yeah. Oh, that's the American side. <laughs> that, that side of you that that's not uh, doing your homework. That side of you that got a C. Yeah. That's not Stop the Korean so side. American. <laughs> Speaking of which I, uh, I, I, my very first job, I worked at one of these, um, Japanese hibachi joints. And, um, I, I worked there with a bunch of Korean gentlemen, actually, they, the, the whole place was owned by Korean folks. And so everybody that worked there was Korean except for me and one other guy, but we would eat these family style meals at the beginning of the shift. We'd all sit down, they'd cook a whole bunch of food and we'd sit and eat together so that then during the shift, they could just, we could just work like dogs and not have to stop to eat or anything like that. Uh, and um, the food was so spicy. And here I am, I'm like 16. I'm not extremely worldly yet. I haven't really been experienced to all sort of a Korean cuisine. But mm-hmm. these guys were just, they were loving it because they'd feed me this stuff and they would just watch me like sweat and cry. <laughs> and I was like losing all this fluid onto the plate and I'm like sweating through my shirt. So and they just... Kimchi, yeah? Kimchi yeah. and like red paste. Yes. The red paste was everywhere. It went into everything. The kimchi I could handle. In mm-hmm. fact, I like kimchi. Even to this day, I love kimchi. Yeah. But uh, man, that red paste, they got me with that stuff. But I like to think that prepared me for a future of eating spicy food today. Oh, yeah. Not to mention, you know, all that food. It just stinks so bad. I mean, if you have a, um, a jar of kimchi in your house, your whole house stinks. Yeah. And I would go home from that job smelling. I mean, it's probably... I was busting tables too. So, but I would, I would definitely go home. Like I was pretty stinky after that. I think that's all restaurants. So my brother worked at Subway. That's a very American joint. And he used to come home smelling like ass. 
Oh my goodness. Well, let me tell you one time I was at a movie theater and this was after I had Korean food um, and it was packed. So we're all sitting side to side, you know, packed. And this lady started spraying perfume on me. Because <laughs> she just kidding. like started spraying you with it. Yes, just spraying me with the perfume because I stunk like Korean food. Jesus. Like, that is kind of rude. Yeah, but I guess it's not pleasant having to smell yeah. Korean food either when you're trying to watch I like kimchi. I've never smelled kimchi and thought this is gross. I always liked it. Yeah. Well, oh, well. Wow. It all depends on uh, your preference, right? Obviously, this lady didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's tell our audience who you are. We are speaking with Judy Jean Kwan today. She's Korean-American, as we mentioned. She's an actress and comedian. Um, and... Uh, I'm really happy to talk to you again. Actually, we we had you on. Uh, most of our listeners probably heard the episode of Comedy is Dead that you were on. Um, but as I was researching that episode, I found you really interesting. I read your bio on your website. I watched your stand-up. And I thought, man, I really you were uh, somebody that I really wanted to talk to like one-on-one because your your website has actually kind of a lengthy bio for you. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I found it like really, really fascinating. I feel like the fact that you're Korean-American and your upbringing really kind of informs who you are as well as your work today. Is that mm-hmm. the case? Yes, yes. Yeah. A lot of my work is um, based on trying to, I mean, I'm an immigrant or daughter of immigrants. So a lot of mm-hmm. my work is trying to find a place where you belong and a home, that kind of, um, that's basically a through line to a lot of my work. And so uh, it, it does sound like your your identity is immigrant and as, as um, I guess, second generation does like you grew up with that. You, you, um, I think your, your parents did, um, a couple different things when you were young, including like a, own a video store, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dad owned a Korean American video store. So half of the, okay. uh, the, the videos there were Korean, other half was American and I was the indentured slave, the free labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would be back, you know, making all the, I guess, illegal copies. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, you were, <laughs> they actually wow. put you to work making the illegal bootleg? Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, Korean. Geez. I mean, they, they work us and you know, all the Korean video stores, because that's how um, the Korean soap operas run. Cause it's all, you know, like hundreds of episodes and th- those yeah. are all dubbed. But then of course they took that and used it also for Hollywood blockbuster films. <laughs> I see. So what you were doing, you were, uh, because it was like half the videos were were Korean stuff, you were bringing over tapes of like Korean programming that wasn't available in the United States and like making copies for Koreans here to enjoy, right? Mm-hmm. And also we had uh, American blockbusters, you know, all the big Hollywood films and you would, uh, yeah, and we would also make copies of that because then you get much more out of it. <laughs> Did they have like an adult video section? Oh yeah. Oh jeez. Wow. <laughs> was your dad like, "Hey, don't go over there. Like, don't make any copies of this one." No, no, my dad didn't give a shit. So I got to do whatever I wanted. So yeah, I would sneak back there. <laughs> oh wow. So he's like, "Okay, go make a copy of All Holes Need Cock, starring Sister Fister. We need to, we need to make a copy of this." No, he'd be like, "Make a copy, but don't watch it." I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to make copies of VHS. I was that kid when I was 13. I'd rent the VHS from Blockbuster. I mm-hmm. had the two VCRs hooked up. I did the whole like dubbing it onto a blank cassette so that I could exactly, watch yeah. and rewatch. And like, I'm sure I've got, or I, I had at least old copies of like Terminator and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Big Trouble in Little China was a favorite of mine that I think I bootlegged. But 
don't you have to, I mean, you have to play the one tape to oh, yeah. record uh-huh. it onto the... Yeah, we put, you play the one tape and then you have 10, the, uh, like, uh, like 10 or dozen other these VHS machines going. So yeah. you play and then you have to push record, 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 record really fast. Yeah, and so like if you were making a copy of uh, like a pornographic video, it's you, you kind of have to play the original to. Yeah, you kind of um, do. <laughs> he expected you not to watch. He's like, don't. Yeah, don't. You watch must be it. very skilled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you start learning at a very young age. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, he sits you down to have the talk, and you're like describing know, sex Dad. to him. You're like, yeah. no, let me teach you a thing or two. All right. Yeah. And you know, back in those days, there there was also a category. I don't know if you remember. Um, during the days of blockbuster and stuff, there was also this B movie sections. Do you remember these? Yeah. So that's one thing I loved about the old video store that you don't really get with like the red box. Yeah. That you have these like B movies and kind of obscure. Yeah. More obscure that like cult classics. Like, how do you hear about a cult classic these days? Like these you kids. Don't. You don't. You don't. Yeah. It's really too bad. Like the internet's a powerful tool for kind of spreading the word. Like you could find a website with a forum where people talk about these cult mm-hmm. classics that you've never heard of. You could kind of inform yourself. But then on the other hand, like you go to Redbox and it's just, you know, Avengers, Iron Man, Blockbuster. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's you don't ever like it'd be nice if they had a Redbox for like uh discovering films yeah, that are not even that the thing i enjoyed um uh, um you know working at the video store or slave labor is that yeah. i i i looked at all the boxes like the box art yeah was the thing for me so i could look at a box and i could tell right away if it's a good movie or a bad movie yeah and i actually had this guy that would come and it, with a suitcase and just open <laughs> it up and these are movies that he made and he would sell it to us Oh, wow. That sounds yeah. like it could be kind of sketchy. Like you'd get 15 minutes into that and then like, oh, there's a dick on the screen. There's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a giant cock on the screen. You like kosher movies. <laughs> yeah. right? I would feel so, very yeah. sketchy, like buying movies from a guy. He like uh, opens his trench coat and he's got VHS. Like, huh, I got the movies for you. Man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. I like it. So, Jeez, jeez. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you actually if you feel, felt like, uh, like on a serious note, like the video store – you could kind of strike up a friendship with the clerks and and if they kind of dug the same movies as you, they could give you recommendations. I mean, I kind of feel sad that like the kids these days don't really get that. And after that, of, of course, when I moved out in my early 20s, I worked at one uh, one of the video stores here in Hollywood called Rocket Video, where they all had all the Hollywood films and all the obscure and art, yeah. art films. So that was also good. Um, yeah, which, which I think that's where I got most of my... Um, training as a, a, a like a filmmaker storyteller just by watching so many films and Korean soap opera. Yeah, I can't forget the soap operas. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I, I, it's not a soap opera. I call it soap opera, but it's Korean dramas. You know, all the K-pop mm. stuff. But you know, yeah. I was watching that before K-pop was K-pop. So is it is it weird that K-pop is like a thing now? Like like Americans know what K-pop is. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I don't. Oh, you. <laughs> I just think it's bizarre because before, um, I mean, the K-pop, the, uh, the to me, from what I see now, it's all kids. It's all babies, you know? Yeah. I don't, they're all like young, I don't know, like Backstreet Boys or something, but Korean version. It's so bizarre. Yeah, they got this thing called Inner Circle, right? It's like a K-pop band. Oh, yeah. And th- no, there's another one called BTS that's supposed to be, be the biggest one right now. BTS. BTS. Yeah, you Google it, and that's like the biggest um, K-pop band right now. I guess they're touring. I don't know. Uh, they just—it's so bizarre because I'm on Facebook and my social media, and they'll give me ads in Korean. 
Do you get Korean ads? I don't get any Korean language ads, no. Yeah, and it's translated into Korean. I'm like, what the hell? Like, my Korean is not that good. It's really hard for me to read this. Why are they giving me all these Korean ads? Do you think they profiled you based on your last name of Kwan? I don't know if it was that, or maybe I must have clicked the Korean link one time, and then all, now all of a sudden I'm getting like things translated. My pet theory is that Zuckerberg is is uh, profiling you. Uh, maybe, or I think maybe they're just listening to us all day long, all the time, right? Probably that too. Probably that too. I've heard that conspiracy theory before. Yeah, hey, your dad's a fan of that one. <laughs> so I'm going to have to educate Christina on K-pop. Do you know Gangnam Style, Christina? Oh, that was yeah. like a big one. Yeah. I do not. You might recognize the tune when I play it for you. On the way home, we're going to listen to Gangnam Style on repeat. I'm glad we came to the office today. Yeah, you, you have to know Gangnam Style. There was a whole dance that went with it. Yeah. Can we say it again? Gangnam Style. I think I've heard that. It's a very. It was a very popular song. It's completely in Korean. Like there's... I think he says uh, one or two words in English, yeah. but they played it on U.S. radio stations. I was in like the mall and I would hear it. I would be out Christmas shopping and I would hear Gangnam Style over the... That's an example of K-pop that got very popular over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that blew up, I think, on YouTube. That's how they it got did. with the music yeah. video. And it's this guy with the sunglasses on and he's... Here, I'll, I'll do a phrase. It goes, open Gangnam Style. And then starts <laughs> yeah i think i've i think i've heard that i'm yeah. sure you've heard it i would bet my 401k that you've heard yeah, it Yeah, it sounds kind of familiar <laughs> so you're in terms of your actual influences uh-huh. since you did grow up and you were uh exposed to all sort of i mean even the korean stuff as well as the american stuff was there like you know obviously you got into entertainment you you went into uh comedy and acting but mm-hmm. is there was there something from that era that stands out to you today that like, oh, I can point to that as an early influence that maybe pushed you towards um, comedy or like helped inform your particular style? Well, my dad, dad was really funny. He was a very boisterous, funny person. And, you know, mm-hmm. growing up in the video store, I mean, that's that's what I knew. I And I know that I wanted to go into the creative field and be some kind of an artist. And I live in Hollywood. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. It was kind of basically laid out for me, I felt like. And actually, at the time, I was wanting to be a musician, and I played the cello, and I was trained to sing uh, musical theater. Wow. <laughs> um, but then it, it just kind of changed course a little bit, and I just got into the whole acting world and the comedy world. So uh, I don't know. I mean, you just can't predict it, but you know, being a creative um, person, you you don't just necessarily stick into one box you know creative people usually yeah. do multiple things so yeah i think that you're probably right about that um and i've noticed that like your your stand-up i really like your you deliver you kind of have this like wry you know you're not very over the top it's uh it's almost like a dry kind of delivery i was wondering if you had like any particular influences for um you know like anybody that that inspired you at a young age uh, or anything like that, or even today. Are there any? Are there any comics today that? Yeah, I mean Dave Chappelle, hands down, just I mean amazing. Uh, Christina, have you heard of Dave Chappelle? Huh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she has heard of Dave Chappelle. Everybody. Not that much. I love the sketch show that he did. You remember that sketch show? Rick James, bitch. Yeah, Jason's a big fan of him too. I'm not as much a fan of of him. I have I tried to show okay. her the sketch show. I've I've showed her a few of the. You know, like the classic segments, like mm-hmm. oh, it's the Rick James, it's the Charlie Murphy, True Hollywood Stories. You gotta, you gotta look at this. 
And um, you got to watch the Prince one. Did you see where he plays Prince? I'm not sure if I've shown her that one yet or not. I might have given up. I might have just been frustrated and like, you really don't find this funny. <laughs> and I think at that point, I just, I pushed stop so I could call a divorce lawyer and, well, and start proceedings on that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just try to figure out where we're going with this marriage. If you don't find Dave Chappelle funny, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure what to do about he's that. He's king right now, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's just a king, period. Not just right yeah. now, but you know. I thought it seemed like he kind of had lost popularity a little. Is he still pretty big? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's. I don't. I think he's established. He's not going anywhere. That's for sure. And you know, there's another comedian named Hari Hari Kandamalu. I like him too. I think that I, I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right, but Hari Kandamalu. He's an Indian American um, comedian. Okay. I think really funny. You know, actually, I think I was watching him recently. Yeah, have you? I read an article that had a few. It had a few like uh, some comics that. Are, are a little lesser known that maybe people haven't heard of as much. And so I was clicking, I was going through there to watch the YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, like the 10 minute, 15 minute ones. And I think he's one of the ones that was listed in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. And of course my, I think my major influence actually is Lucille Ball. Um, because okay. my grandmother, she didn't speak any English and we would watch, I love Lucy together. And my grandma would be bawling. She she thought it was so funny and she didn't know what, what um, they were saying. Was it more like the physical aspect? I mean, I know Lucille Ball was yeah. it was a little bit more of a physical. Ah, that's actually pretty awesome. I mean, that's way to go, Lucille Ball, to to transcend language like that. You've got to be pretty good to uh I mean, I've tried watching stand up comedy in other languages a few times, and it's really hard to get the punchline. You yeah, know, that, like that, you kind of miss the setup. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the jokes are kind of different. What what other countries find funny might not be the same as what Americans find funny. So, yeah, it's yeah. comedy is a tricky thing, right? It ha- it's be- very, like, regional in a way. Yeah. And I think maybe even generational, too. Like, it may be cyclical as mm-hmm. well because somebody like Lucille Ball, I think, has a lasting appeal to younger generations as well. People who discover mm-hmm. her even now, I mm-hmm. think there's a lot there for folks to enjoy. But, um, you know, like, it may, it may change kind of over the generations. Um, mm-hmm. Like, jokes that worked for Eddie Murphy in the eighties may not go over so well today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they like focus on, um, you know, sexuality or something like that, like he did have some, you know, Mike Tyson is, or not Mike Tyson. Um, uh, what's his name? Christina, you would know this cause your pop culture knowledge is unparalleled. Well, Eddie Murphy, I, I love his, uh, movies. I, I, I'm not, yeah, for sure. Stand up, but his films. Uh, wow. Yeah. I grew up on those, um, Mel Brooks. I mean, like I love Mel Frank Brooks Steen and, um, Blazing yeah. Saddles and yeah, I love all. The- I mean, could you make Blazing Saddles today? Could you even show Blazing Saddles to a so. I think college so sensitive, right? I just think there'll be riots. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's a movie. Like I want to go be a film professor. I actually do have a film degree, so I could, I could probably pull this off. I want to be a film professor. They'll fire me after a semester when I show Blazing Saddles <laughs> right? to the class and everyone is just triggered. They're like, oh my god! Right? What's that guy, going I mean, on? Right? I mean, because I, I I feel like the um the comedians like even the eighties and nineties they have more freedom to express themselves, and it, I find uh, like Blazing Saddles is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, I don't I don't know. People are like walking on eggshells. Um, everybody's sensitive. It's it's a weird time. I read something recently that stuck with me. I'll float this past you. Obviously, with this podcast. I don't ever try to be willfully offensive. I don't ever want to. I don't 
set mm-hmm. out to hurt someone's feelings. I have had a few emails from some folks or some DMs that people said, you know, hey, that was kind of insensitive or offensive or whatever. And so I've done it a few times, but it's never, I'm never putting it out there like I want to piss people off or I want to push buttons, but sometimes it happens. And um, I think that a lot of folks have that knee-jerk reaction that I don't want, I don't want to piss people off. I don't want to offend people. I don't want to be disliked. I don't want people to get the wrong impression about me that I don't like a certain group or class of folks. But um, the the question I think that I always come back to is, would I rather be liked or would I rather be funny mm-hmm. if I had to choose between the two? Yeah. So how do you feel about that question? Oh. If you're choosing between being liked or being funny, is there... Yeah, I wish I could have both. <laughs> I, w- I wish you could have both. Crime. You can't do that. You got to like make that choice now, yeah. right? You got to be like okay, I'm just going to go in this direction and just be like, F it. You know, I'm just going to, yeah. you know? I think you can you can do both a lot of times. I think sometimes it's hard to do both. I think depending on the question or the joke, oh, yeah. I think it's hard yeah. to do both. Yeah. And so I've I've made a conscious effort. Like if I'm ever faced with the choice of being liked or being funny, I'm like, be funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Be funny. It's easy to be liked. It's nice to be liked. But I'm like, do the funny thing. Yeah. Make people laugh. Apologize later. You yeah. know what I mean? But I, I'm I'm going to try to be funny instead well, of... I mean, it's like just because you want to be liked doesn't mean you can't voice um, what you want to say, you know? I mean, you, you. this is America. We have freedom of speech. We should be allowed to say what we want to say. And you could disagree, but it, it, it shouldn't... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like nowadays comedians are getting attacked and it's so crazy. I mean, I've... Uh, it, it's a, a really, really sensitive time. Uh, and hopefully we'll be over this hump very soon. <laughs> Do you have any experience with, with folks, uh, objecting to any oh, of yeah, the, yeah. like your comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did this, um, uh, set, um, which, oh my God. Okay. So I thought it was going to be a safe set because, you know, I, I didn't, I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I'm into women, women's rights. I'm into, um, uh, immigrant rights and that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to get too political. So then I was like, oh, let me pick a safe subject. But I didn't realize it was not a safe subject. (laughs) And I guess afterwards... I'm going to pick a safe subject (laughs) and tell a rape joke. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, basically, yeah. Well, it wasn't a rape joke, but... uh, um, So I I, I just wanted to make a point because men are always, especially male comedians, are always making fun of women's body parts, right? And I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? Okay, I'm I'm not going to make fun of small penis because that's already been done. The tweezer thing. Yeah, okay. Well, well, that's not that funny. So then I'm like, okay, let me take another, um, uh, uh, like uh, another way of making, you know, pointing out a male's body part. So then I was like, okay, let me talk about circumcision. I didn't realize it was a sensitive subject. There are like a ton of anti-circumcision people these days. Yeah. There's like a whole thing. It's a cult. It's, a, it's really crazy. And, you know, I knew that I was going to get some men uh, kind of ups- upset, but I didn't realize like it, it was mostly women. It was mostly women and some moms and Australia that got upset. And I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is going on? I'm like, wow, you really that attached to a couple inches of skin and it's not even your skin right literally quite attached to yeah. it they like using those things as like uh foot warmers or something i don't know stretch that foreskin out yeah it's it's like a little coin purse you can fit like a roll of quarters oh in there and you know, buy a snack later there you go 
<laughs> it's funny that you, you, it's like you can't tell a circumcision joke. Right. Um, and you have a point about male comedians making fun of women's body. I, I do 35 whole minutes making fun of uh, the female right. form. Either way, about the circumcision, you know, uncircumcised or circumcised, I was just trying to make a point, you know, and people yeah. were freaking out. Like, all right. That's, it's like there's so many people mm-hmm. that, uh, like, it's like uh, we live in New England mm-hmm. and there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. And I always say, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Dunkin' Donuts up here. It's like that. Like, you can't tell a joke without somebody, I mean, unless you just tell it to like close family and then you never really get any attention. But if you're going to get on a stage, if you're going to publish it on the internet, it's like somebody out there is going to not like yeah, some, but, but apparently there's actual organizations that are like really, um, uh, you know, anti-circumcision. There are organizations mm-hmm. yeah. out there. I didn't realize that. I'm like, wow, there's a big giant party out there. <laughs> I'm really hoping that our second child is a boy, so I can have him circumcised not once but twice, and then I'm going to wear the foreskins as earrings. Oh my goodness! Does Christina know that uh, she's going to have a second child? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I do now. Okay. <laughs> you made the decision. She's, right. she's been informed. She's been. It's, it's a very old school relationship. Really? She has been informed <laughs> that there will be a second baby. You have uh, six more weeks to heal. Oh I'm being quite generous. I think. So I'm going to give you a warning, a little heads up right now. Um, now that you just had a baby, I, I've noticed with my body that my hormones were going out of control for like the next two years. You're going to want to have another one really, really bad. And that's like your body um, trying to convince you to do that. <laughs> yeah, It's amazing how biology works right? to, 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 to get you. Christina, how do you feel like your hormones have been since having the baby two and a half weeks ago? They've been a little crazy. They've been up and down. Yeah. But we've wanted to have a ba- second baby. Oh, well, you got to get that on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we have discussed like what, I, I mean, even before we got married, I think we discussed like what the family would look like for us. And I always joked that I wanted four and she would laugh and I'd be like, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Oh, like, just have, let's just have one and see how you feel about it. Yeah. yeah well, my brother-in-law, they have four kids. And it's like a, a lot of yeah, kids. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. But hey, it's a lot. But you know, I mean, it's like a little posse. It's like a little crew. It's like a little gang. You know what you I know? say? It's social security. <laughs> exactly. That's how it used to be, right? Yeah. Like a hundred years ago, they didn't have social security. People weren't taking care of old folks. Oh. You needed kids to take care of you. Yep, that's what I tell my kid. I go, "You're my social security. You better, you better uh, man up." <laughs> Plus, I think they had like. I think they had like nine kids back then because of tuberculosis. You knew that like only two and a half were going to survive. Oh, really? So they had to have a lot of kids mm-hmm. back then. I thought then. it was because that they could work on your farm. You get free labor. That too. Yeah. yeah well, or or your Korean video store. Exactly, right? Uh, right? I mean, some things don't change. Nope. nope. You just got to keep passing that down onto your kids and let them know, right? So were you in the yeah. delivery room? Were you in there? Yeah, I was in there when when she had the C-section and uh, the anesthesiologist poked me on the shoulder because we were behind the screen. They had one of those pass-through screens Uh that they would push the baby through when she was born. And the guy says, hey, do you want to see your baby coming out? And I was like, kind of no, but also I I can't say no. Like, I have to see this. I don't want to see this, but I kind of have to, you know? Mm it's like when you go to identify a body or something, yeah. it's like, I don't want to see this, but I need to, like, this is something. So 
I stood up and it was a little early. This doc had her whole half her whole arm inside my wife, yeah. like yeah. getting this baby's head out. Oh. And the other lady was pushing like she was yeah. trying to squeeze the last bit of toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube. Yeah. And there was just water and blood. It looked like the beginning of Saving Private Ryan, the Omaha oh, Beach God. scene where the people were getting blown up and they're like body parts everywhere. I was just like, oh my God. And the guy was like, okay, you can sit down now. It was a little early. <laughs> right. like, Thank you for scarring me. Fucking haunt my dreams forever, Mr. Yeah. Did you take a baby class before? We did. We, we did. took a baby class. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't quite prepare you for the C-section. No, no. What the hell? I took the baby class and all they did was pass like a fake baby around, What? What? which I failed miserably. But like when I was in the C-section, I didn't realize all the stuff that was going to go down. And I didn't even know until after. It was intense, right? Yeah. I was like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? The whole table was, was so shaking. much tugging and yeah. pulling. And I was just like, I just want this to be over. Just be over. Just finish. Like, I just, it was really intense. Yeah. Oh my God. It was short, but intense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God it's over. <laughs> yeah. It didn't feel short to me. Like, it felt like the longest, however many minutes it was. And you know what the worst is? Because uh, the class didn't prepare me for anything with the C section. Like the day later, I sneezed. Oh, oh my God. I was like, what yeah, is that? Okay. Yeah. I bet that hurt. That's like the one time that you can like sneeze and then like bleed out of your vagina and um, yeah. your, 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 um, yeah. what do they call it? The whole, yeah. what do they call it? Uh, incision. Incision. Yeah, yeah, Gosh. Yeah. yeah I was just like, it. I sneezed and I said, my husband was there and I said to him, oh my God, I feel like my whole inside's going to explode. And he's like, well, you they uh, did, right? I'm like, oh, oh, geez. I'm like, no, I don't. They did not prepare me. Actually, that reminded me of the character that you play, Pepper, mm-hmm. in uh, Milf Friend. I'm really hoping that they someone picks that up because I want to see episodes oh, okay. after watching the trailer a couple Likewise. times. Thank you. I want to see episodes. But it, it seems like um, the, the character of Pepper is not necessarily prepared to become a mom. Oh, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Was this like informed by real life? Was it kind of like, what the heck am I doing? Yeah, and then I mean, that becomes. Yeah, I mean, you usually, uh, when you're, uh, you, you know, as a writer, they always tell you, write about something what you know. So it's, uh, it's yeah. this is like based on my life experience, but obviously it's changed a little and uh, heightened and made it into a comedy and uh, stylized. But yeah, Pepper is just, uh, she's actually anti baby and anti women. <laughs> so she she never was thinking she's ever gonna have a baby and then when she gets knocked yeah. up now she has to deal with her demons and her issues and try to build relationships with obviously other women because they're moms and you know she has a baby yeah i caught that from the beginning part of the trailer where she's uh, she's not interacting well with some of these kind of like uh the yuppie suburban um mm-hmm. gentrification moms yeah, yeah. you know who are, who are kind of, I guess, moving into the area mm-hmm. and, and she's just kind of like, fuck you people, you know, but, uh, I guess it turns out that once she's pregnant, you, you sort of have to come around to some of these other, like these mom groups mm-hmm. just cause it's like a, it's like a support thing, I guess. And well, yeah, she's, she's going to be trying to raise this baby pretty much by herself. So she's going to need to 
support. Yeah. So that's where the other moms come in. And then it's so that I, I wanted to lay out a foundation where I want to try to bridge the difference um, or, or like, uh, uh, I guess, put a bridge between the different kinds of um, cultures because it's such a, a Venice and L.A. is a very cultural place where it has so many different mm-hmm. cultures and classes. Um, so I wanted to kind of put a bridge between that. And also Pepper's um, love interest that knocks her up, he's um, from Alabama. So I wanted to also explore Ooh. that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Georgia. I don't like those Alabama no? people. <laughs> no, they're they're better than the Florida people. But yeah. being a Georgian, I'm like Alabama because hmm. of football. Well, yes, and all the sister fucking. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I would say mostly because of the football. Mostly because of the football. Yeah. Okay, mostly because of the football. I went to University of Georgia, and they indoctrinated me. I didn't care about football one bit or the other before, and then after. Um, Seven and a half years at UGA, they they got me. You studied film, right? So I, I did. Mean, yeah, I studied film. I also studied um, studio art. So, uh-huh. like you said, artists tend to be interested in lots of different stuff. Mm-hmm. There's not That's one. Jason to the team. Yeah, yeah, it's creating. Yeah, it's yeah. So I did a lot of drawing of naked people for my studio art mm-hmm. degree, mm-hmm. and I think the idea of drawing naked people sounds really good. Particularly if you're like a 19-year-old dude, 20-year-old dude, you're like, yeah, I'm going to draw naked people. This is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. And then after a semester, you're like, yeah, that wasn't so awesome. (laughs) Because you learn. Who who wants to get naked for $12 an hour for college students to draw them? It's probably not people that look really good naked. It's probably people that uh, really need another bottle of Popoff's vodka. (laughs) And they're pretty hairy all over, uh, men and women. Well, I thought the same thing like when you go into a strip club you're, you're like maybe excited for the first five minutes that there's naked people then like 10 mm-hmm. minutes on you're yeah. like okay mm-hmm. i've already seen i have to agree with you i don't find strip clubs to be particularly exciting or alluring mm-hmm. it's like so i'm gonna pay how much for drinks and all the money that comes out of the atm is like weird monopoly money that you can only spend there so that's kind of how they get you like you pull 20 bucks out or you pull 40 bucks out or you pull 100 oh. bucks out it's like if you've got 20 bucks out of the, the 80 that you pulled out of the ATM left over. You can't go to Waffle House with that yeah, money. Oh, I didn't you know, know you got Is this a new thing? I didn't know that either. I, I, it could He's be like been to more strip clubs than us, apparently. Yeah, you got to be on top of your man. <laughs> yeah. It could be an Atlanta thing, maybe, because, you know, I am from the ATL and uh, they do have some well-known strip clubs down there. The Claremont Lounge. You ever heard of the Claremont Lounge? No. We have a Claremont here in California, but... You guys have a Claremont? Yeah. Yeah, we have a Claremont. It's more for novelty than anything. That's the only strip club that I would consider going to today because it's not really about the, like, sexualization of women's bodies, and it's not about, like, oh, we're going to go somewhere and we're going to pay for overpriced drinks and I'm going to give a lady a hundred bucks to grind on my lap. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's an elephant graveyard for strippers. We're talking about like 250 pound black lady strippers oh, cool. that are like crush beer cans with That's their ass fun. cheeks. <laughs> That's why you yeah, go to Claremont Lounge. It's like a circus meets a strip right, club. Right. It's it's pretty great. Um, Claremont Lounge has also sponsored this podcast. So everybody go check out Claremont oh, Lounge. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right and, and watch this lady um, crush a can between her thighs. Yes, you you chug the beer, you hand it to her, she will crush it with her boobs or her uh, butt cheeks. It's really a pretty incredible talent and skill. And tip 
Tipper well. Tipper I, well but people. I heard recently that a lot of the strip clubs are are struggling in America. I guess because of the millennials are not into going to strip clubs anymore. Did you hear this? Wow. Yeah. I didn't. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. It's uh. I guess the the generations are changing. Jeez, poor strippers. You know, like. Who's going to put them through college now? Mm-hmm. You know, that used to be the tried and true way. Oh, but let me tell you, I was, I was in Thailand and I went to the, the red light district there and the girls there, they're smoking cigarettes out of their, you know, hole. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say girls with like a question mark. Like, are you sure about that? But I guess you, <laughs> you've seen them blow smoke out of their vaginas. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's a pretty good right? litmus test. And like, whoa. And then like making donut rings. You're like, how in the hell does she do that? Oh, my God. That's impressive. Right? They're blowing like fully formed dragons out of there. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's it's like one the of the talents. Show, right? <laughs> Mysteries of the Orient. I love it. That's uh, <laughs> definitely a reason to go visit Thailand, guys. Exactly. That's Exactly. That is amazing. <laughs> So, um, what's, what's next? What's on the, what's on the horizon for you? What are you, what are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? um, Is there anything? Yeah. Well, right now you were just talking about the creative. So I'm doing like a little side thing right now, which is going to be probably, um, about 10 minutes long, um, uh, intended for YouTube, um, that is called Mm -hmm. Heal by Create, which is, um, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life with being an immigrant and my dad being a narcissist and a lot of, you know, just a lot of just living life. And I think even today with the whole Trump thing happening, I think a lot of people have PTSD and stress and anxiety. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm working on this show called Heal by Create, which is um, as uh, I it's kind of like Hauser meets Anthony Bourdain, but I go yeah, um, two two guys I love. Yeah, I love them too. And I, it, but I interview not food, but um, creative people, and mm-hmm. we make something. So while we're making something, I ask them questions about hey, stress, PTSD, anxiety, and if they could give us some tips on how they deal with it and how we should deal with it. So I'm, tr- it's more like a takeaway, so that we could try to do something about stress and anxiety and PTSD, and not just talk about it. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, but, and then the thing that, um, the creating thing I put in there, because that's the only time that I'm not getting myself in trouble is when I'm creating something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I feel you there. I feel you there. I feel like, um, there's room for, I think there's room for some heartfelt stuff with that, but it sounds like there's room for some humor too, particularly if you're going to channel Huel Hauser. He always had these like observations that were almost like ridiculous, the things he would hone in on and, and pretty funny in, in that way. Well, he was a guy, right? He lived right here in the desert. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was a Southerner as well. He was from mm-hmm. Tennessee or something before locating out there. Well, was he? I thought he was like Southern California. I think he, uh, well, he was a Marine too. So this oh. guy could, he seemed like the sweetest guy, but he's like 6'3", he was like 6'3", 200 pounds. I mean, he he could break a foot off in your ass for sure. But he was like a gentle giant. He was like a big sweetheart. But I'm pretty sure before he did the Marines thing, mm-hmm. I think he was from a Southern. You can kind of hear it in his voice. He's got a little bit of that Southern accent like this. A little bit. of mm-hmm. It's just the way he talks. A little oh, my God. Flow. Just like him. You, you can tell I've, I've listened to some Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched some Hauser <laughs> on the Internet. 
but he's got that little bit of a lilt. It's sort of the Southern. It's not too twangy, but it's a little twangy. Mm-hmm. And um, he definitely, he does his thing. I definitely, I dig some Jule Hauser. I'm glad you mentioned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. California's gold. Yep, exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so well, we'll see. So I have that on the books. Um, and uh, Mill Friend is uh, in the Global Film Festival right now. Yeah, that one's touring the film festival. Mm-hmm. So it's still in the festival circuit. So I'm going to uh, give it uh, to probably to end of this year before we figure out what we're going to do with it, depending on where, uh, you know, what's on our plate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fantastic to see that get picked up. I'd love to see that. I feel like that show would be right at home on a uh, one of these new streaming services, something like uh, a Netflix and Amazon Prime. I feel mm-hmm. like it would be right there at home with some of the other I mean, you want to talk about a, a really good time for comedy. I think mm-hmm. the streaming sites and them trying to generate their own content that's not repurposed from the television networks or something like that mm-hmm. has caused them to invest so much in comedians like Dave Chappelle um, have new stand-up specials that are going straight to Netflix. And I feel like it is kind of a renaissance with these streaming companies that are investing in. And I feel like the mill friend would be a, a perfect investment for them to, oh, yeah. I would binge that shit. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. For, yeah, thank you for your kind words. Yeah. I would love to do Netflix, Amazon, even Quibi, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg started these short form, um, platform that's really high budgeted that a lot of the, um, Big um, directors have jumped on doing projects, but I don't think they're launching till next year. And right uh, okay. from what I've heard, it's all, a lot of big names that they're attaching right now. So once once um, I guess they launch, I would know more where they're at. That sounds like a great home. I mean, I think any place that has a good amount of of comedic content there that then kind of creates this this network where if somebody watches this special then they recommend that so Mm -hmm. they can kind of use their algorithms for good Mm -hmm. to kind of profile folks and say oh we think you'd like mill friend so here's something for you to watch next Mm -hmm. i think that could work Mm -hmm. really well and i think that's that has exposed people to some good stuff too oh yeah 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 and ours is very diversity driven and it's an ensemble with uh uh, this is like a side of um, Venice and Los Angeles that most people don't get to see because uh, 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 this is um, from um, a Korean ethnic woman's point of view, yeah. obviously. <laughs> so the stories are a little different. and But then I try to show kind of uh, uh, different points of view also. I think just trying to bridge the, 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 I guess, the difference, you would call it, between the East and the West and also between the rich and the poor because it's gentrified. Um, it's already gentrified. I mean, so now maybe that's going to be a period piece. <laughs> I think yeah. It's like yeah. this is uh, this is sort of how it happened. So final question for you, mm-hmm. because this has been on my mind since yesterday. I saw something, I think a tweet, and it just stuck in my brain. I was up half the night with our, our baby daughter. Um, and it was just, it was just in my head. So I've got to ask, and I'll actually, I'll ask you both. Cause I haven't asked my wife this okay. yet either. Um, starting with Judy though, pineapple on your pizza. No. How do you feel about no. no. Okay. How do you feel about someone else? Like, let's say you are at a gathering. There is a small group of maybe a dozen or so people and you're ordering a couple of pizzas, one of which 
somebody requests pineapple on, do you get offended or do you ask that person to leave? No, How? no that's your, I mean, okay. your guest. I'm not going to be rude like that. If they request pineapple, at least they're asking me. So, which is good instead of being passive aggressive and I have to like try to guess why they're not happy. Um, yeah. So if they, or do you just like never invite them no, back? Again? Definitely, so like, ah. No, definitely. I'm, I'm totally accommodating. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, you could get pineapple on your pizza, but only half the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get pineapple, but right? we're going to on one side. Yeah. We're going to drop it on the floor first. <laughs> you get to put pineapple on as many pieces of pizza that you're going to eat, but you can't force other people to eat it. <laughs> yeah. So Christina, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Tell the world. I, I like pineapple on pizza. You like pineapple on pizza. I do as well. I'll reveal. Both of you guys, you love here, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like sweet. I like salt. I like the combo of sweet and salt. Sweet and salt, yeah, like salted caramel. That's good. Yeah, I like the um, like the trail mixes that have like the salty nuts, but then they've also got the chocolate mm-hmm. things and the raisins. I, I love it, but I know that there are some purists out there. I went, I went with a good friend of mine to a pizza joint to pick up some pizza one time many years ago, mm-hmm. and they had a can of pineapple sitting there on the counter, and they said, if you want this on your pizza, it will be a fifty dollar surcharge to open the can what because they were that adamant against they did not want to serve pineapple pineapple on their pizza so this is a college town too you know there's no college kid out there that's like oh i've got the 50 bucks to to spring for the pineapple on the pizza so no one would ever get it and they left that out there with a little sign to kind of taunt people and it sort of stuck with me ever since oh some people are just so against it it's not even it's not enough that that they not eat it it's like they need to get out there and and rub it into Boy. Yeah. yeah. Like I've I got a buddy. It's our world today. Yeah, it's our world today. That's these are the divisions that we're trying to heal though. This is what we're really? talking about. I mean, people who love pineapple, people who hate pineapple coming together, enjoying pizza together, not necessarily eating the same slices, but still can we can we at least have a civil con- uh, conversation with each other without pizza shaming me? People are pizza shaming me because I like pineapple I on pizza know. in the privacy of my own home. I can't believe. I it. mean, I don't have to eat it, so why why in the hell should I care what other people are eating? You know what I mean? Come, I think if everybody just minds their own business, I appreciate your open mindedness, right? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate how open you are to my pizza preferences. I I will say that, you know, being from the South, I don't always encounter such open-minded individuals as you. Ah, you're you're just being cynical now. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of reminds me of this one story that I heard a long time ago where there was a bunch of vegetarians having a dinner party and they invited one guy that eats meat. um, But, um, and then they tied the chicken next to his chair and said, hey, if you want to eat it, you got to kill it. And I was like, I don't know, when I re- uh, read that, I think it was in a book somewhere, I was kind of offended. I was like, yeah, I'm like, they give me the knife, I'll freaking kill it right here, right now. I'll just ring it. <laughs> and you cook it. I would have to do that. Right? I would have to do that. Because if you, it's like, if you dare me to, it's sort of like, I have that personality where, yeah. like, if someone says, hey, you're not allowed to do this, I want to do yeah, it even more. Exactly. And it's like, I'm a real contrarian. Yeah. So if they were like, we don't want you to eat meat, and just to prove a point, we're going to make you kill the chicken if you want to eat chicken. I'd be like, all right, I've never killed a chicken before, and I'm actually kind of squeamish, yeah. and I don't really like killing animals, yeah. but I'm going to do it just to just to fuck with you guys because I know you vegans are going to hate it when I bite this chicken's head off like I'm goddamn Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to eat this fucking thing raw in front of you guys with the fucking feathers right. like a dog. I'm going to eat this thing like a dog. I'm going to shake it in my mouth like a dog, like just oh you know, God. blood's all over your vegan salad and your tofu gets covered with feathers oh my god i'm like totally picturing that scene right now <laughs> the feathers, like going everywhere you're trying to you're trying to bite the feathers off just to get to the actual neck and the chicken 
Yeah, and the, the vegans are covering their baby's eyes and stuff. They're like, oh, God, my children are witnessing this. Like, you you brought this on yourself by giving me the chicken. You just wrote this yeah, you scene. <laughs> we just wrote a scene. Thank you very much. <laughs> you got to write that down. I got to see if someone out there will animate this and uh, kind of maybe we could do a short clip on the Internet. Yeah, or something. yeah. Just, just give us some credit. <laughs> give uh, credit. So how do people reach you if they want to if they want to find out more if they want to check out your comedy or if they want to um, support you support Milfriend oh, yes. how do how do people find so, you So Milfriend is uh, www.milfriendcomedy.com and you can find me on on social media under Milfriend Comedy that's M I L F R I E N D comedy and also you could find me and my other projects like Heal by Create and I blog and I write some wise ass sayings on um, Yo Mama Rice. That's my alter ego because I'm mm. a mama and I like rice. <laughs> so, I love yeah. rice. So YoMamaRice.com or at Yo Mama Rice on all the social media. And yeah, I, I have like um, cute little sayings or like a cynical funny sayings um, like... Um, uh creme de la creme the best rises rises to the top where it's full of fluff yeah so i, I, I mm. kind of like yeah i guess it's a little profound but cynical <laughs> so it's it's a sort of like one part confusion but the other part sort of wry and comedic I like yes it. thank you thank you i think that's my problem mostly with with all the like the buddhist quotes that mm-hmm. i see i'm like this is very i like it it's very like i don't know meaningful but they never make me laugh mm-hmm. so you got to be we take that and just add another sentence to it or a, a little, you know, thing to it, a little button. That That's what I'm doing. Basically, I'm taking old sayings and adding a little button. Fantastic. That's why people need to go follow you right now. Everybody go follow Judy Jean Kwan. Mill friend, right? Mom, I'd like to friend. Yes. Mother, I'd like to friend. And yo mama rice. I'm a mom. And yo mama rice. rice. I'm yo mama. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, thank you for talking to us again. I really, I appreciate you coming on Comedy is Dead uh, back in July, I guess that was. And then, you know, obviously I'm I'm glad that we got to have like a more, like just about you conversation, Aww. given yeah. how interesting you were. So. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on and congratulations, you guys. Hopefully. Of course. Yeah. Thank get you. Get some sleep and. <laughs> um, one day I'm sure we will. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, about three years from now. <laughs> Yeah. Jeez. Give me some hope. Oh my gosh. It'll go fast though. All right. Well, let's get some quaaludes on the way home, honey. Okay. <laughs> yep. and, and play that open Gangnam style. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to play Gangnam style for you. We're going to educate her on K-pop. Um, we'll, we'll send you a follow-up email and let you know how she's doing on the, on the K-pop knowledge. Yeah. And also I wanted to send you um, a book. Actually, I wrote a children's book. Oh, you know what? I saw that on your website. Yeah. So I want to send you a copy of that. So I'm going to get your mailing address. It's called Donald the Beaver Builds a Big Beautiful Wall. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah. Evelyn's going to love it. (laughs) It It has a deeper meaning when you think about Donald building the wall. Yeah. Donald the Beaver builds a big, beautiful wall. Interesting. (laughs) So it's a little bit, there's there's like a meaning for adults, like the kids don't necessarily get it yeah. but then the adults yeah exactly and my kid actually drew the beaver. your kid drew the beaver yes oh that's cool yeah that's very cool yeah i like did. that you involve your kid in the in the uh oh, in yeah. the creative work too yeah of course you know you got to keep them um active right otherwise they'll just um drive you mad 
<laughs> yeah, he's going to learn how to like smoke crack or something. You got to keep him productive, doing some good stuff. Otherwise, you know, they get into trouble. They join a gang. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want any of that stuff for him. So, yeah. And, you know, with raising your baby, just don't worry about it. It's It's going to be fine. You know, don't stress over it. There's only two ways to parent is what I say which is bribery and threat. Hmm. Bribery and threat. Do you start with the bribe and then go to the threat if the bribe doesn't work? I guess it depends on the situation, right? If uh, if you're okay. like desperate, then you need them to do something right now. You're like, hey, if you do this, I'll give you ice cream. Right? I see. That, that, that actually works fa- faster than the threat because the threat is more like, if you don't do this and you don't get your ice cream, well, sometimes that works fast too. <laughs> So it's like the carrot and the stick. I like that you have multiple tools in your toolbox. Yes. <laughs> I'm, thank you for the parenting advice too. I actually wanted to get like a tidbit of parenting advice yeah. from you. Since we're so new, obviously I'm I'm uh, like all ears to experienced parents. Oh, just enjoy it. You guys are going to love it. And the, So far, it's been wonderful. Yeah. It's going to go by so fast. And before you know it, you're like, oh, can we rewind to go back? I know. Before I know it, she's like changed her name to the stripper name and... You know, like I'm finding her on these weird websites. I I know. I, I just want. I'm going to try to enjoy it now. Doing that to while I can. Ready? Oh my goodness! You got a long way to go. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, we appreciate you very much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Christina. Have a great nice day. Nice to speak with you. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Go check out yomamarice.com. Go check out milffriendcomedy.com, milffriendcomedy.com. Check out Judy Jean Kwan, what she's doing online. Also, check out innercirclepn.com. That's the Inner Circle Podcast Network website. You'll find all the Inner Circle podcasts on there. People like... H.T. Noss, Simmons & More, The Hood Diner, The Plunge Podcast, and Any Pod. And our new podcast, Failing Hollywood. Go check out all of those wonderful podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, I promise you, you're going to like those. Maybe even more than this one. But please don't tell me if that is the case. Because I am delicate. My feelings do hurt easily. So please, if that's the case, don't let me know. But do go check those fools out. We've also got some network-specific shows. The Inner Circle Podcast Network has its own feed. Go subscribe to that. We put the Summer Circle on there. That is a diet and nutrition, weight loss-centered program that is produced by Christina and I, part of Team Almy Productions. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Summer Circle's on there. Comedy is Dead is on there. Inner Circle Sports is huge. That's on there as well. So you're going to find all this wonderful Throwing Smoke is a new MMA-focused show that Randall and Joe B are doing on there. So um, it's it's good stuff. You're going to find great stuff on there. Something for everybody at Inner Circle Podcast Network. So go check us out, innercirclepn.com. Next week, we're going to be coming at you with our boy, Delvin Cox. Mm-hmm. And we're going to sit down and have a nice conversation with Delvin. Good last um, name. De- yeah, Cox. Yes. Very appropriate for the show. I love Cox. That's true. I've actually posted that on his Twitter before. I thought I was so witty. Honey, we're going to ask him next week if Cox... Caused any issues when he was growing up. Yeah. If that was a point of some cruelty for the other kids. I hope not. I hope not as well. It's not the worst last name. Like Butts or... Something would Cox. be worse. 
Cox is like, I slang dick, bitch. Nothing more, nothing less. You got a no hoe. You could take the test to bring big fat titties and lots of back. You got the woody and I got the axe. I'm no joke when I stroke for a client. Bitches need dick, so they buying it. That's what I would say every time somebody made fun yeah. of me for having a Cox last night. Oh, yeah. like, Psh, yeah. Whatever, I slang dick, bitch. Anyway, we'll be back next week with Delvin Cox, talking Dave Chappelle, sticks and stones, and slanging that dick, motherfuckers. We love you. We out. I'm feeling like a hundred bucks. No, I'm a young and broad. My money's a hundred, so I'm feeling no sore deluxe. I ain't into social. I just think you suck, and I ain't gonna let you bring me down when I'm feeling up. So what in love? Ladies, I'm your man, but no, I ain't gonna stick around, cause baby, I got bigger plans. Bomb down if you could recommend a couple friends, tell them they can meet the legend.